The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Malbro. It's the middle of the week, so that means we are joined by our fearless leader, Dave Cariello from Canal Street Chronicles, Vice Chairman, President, Emeritus, and Kevin Held, contributor to uh, Canal Street Chronicles and r- runner of Hakeem Drops the Ball. H- Hakeem Drops the Ball. And, uh, Hakeem just, Drops the Ball, yeah. That's, yeah. That's... <laughs> I'm, totally, I'm totally off uh, my game because Drew Brees just completely shitting the bed on Thursday. He's thrown everything in my world off. Um, Kevin, Twitter melted down when Drew Brees had his brain fart at the end of the first half, which was basically the first major clock fuck-up at all that the Saints have ever had since he's been quarterback. And I got to thinking, you know, that never happened when Sean Payton was on the sideline, but like the rest of us, Sean Payton was watching the game at home uh, or somewhere. Uh, uh-huh. Do you think he completely flipped out, or did he just look to the ceiling and shake his fist and go, "Good deal"? Uh, how? Uh, I'm of the I'm of the belief that Sean Payton did not get to see the game. I think, if anything, he was staring at uh, at a pair of ass cheeks in front of him. Uh, uh, I I think maybe the gal might have gotten to see the game, and maybe that play in question. But I think any of her yelling might have just been misinterpreted. Oh Lord! <laughs> so what you're saying is is basically Sean Payton the whole. I'm saying that there might have been some reverse cowgirl action going <laughs> he's on. Not okay, wa- he's not watching game. He's just uh, as. Uh, the bros would say, the under-22-year-old under, under guys would say, he's just crushing it all season long. Is that what you're saying? Yep. <laughs> yep. Dave, um, I think the Saints' playoff chances are the equivalent of your 110-year-old aunt who's in the hospital, and the family's gathered around, and they're just waiting for her to die. Um what is left in the 2012 season that has you uh, really interested in the games? Oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. Uh, season's over. Uh, I mean, we're really just, you know, the, the rest is just uh, real-life practice. I, I would say I really don't think the Saints have anything to play for. I don't think that they're going to make the playoffs. and I'm not always a Debbie Downer kind of guy, and I'm trying not to be here, but I mean, I just think that that's, that's, that's some straight talk for you. Because um, I know there are a lot of delusional as fuck Saints fans out there, uh, and every day there seems like they've got sunshine flying out of their ass, um, and that's just not the case in this situation. Uh, the Saints are a mediocre team, they've got a mediocre record, they'll finish with a mediocre record. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, I definitely want the Saints to keep winning. I mean, I enjoy Saints games much more when they win as a, compared to when they lose. But 
know, they've got a tough challenge against New York. So, but uh, what, what do we have to watch for? And is that just really and truly, uh, I guess, to give like a real answer to your question, I mean, it would be nice to see continued improvement from the defense. Uh, as I wrote last week, the defense has been trending in a very good direction as far as yards uh, allowed. It's gotten progressively better each week for the last six, seven weeks. So uh, I would definitely love to see that. I don't, they can't keep getting better. I mean, because at some point they'd have to give up like 10 yards a game, which is just obviously impossible. So, so I would at least like to see them plateau at, at under 300 yards would be great. Um, and, and, and turnovers and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I'd like to say. And Drew Brees not the ship of that. <laughs> I don't think that's asking so much. Uh, Kevin, Drew Brees has always had these sort of interception binges. Um, you know, if you chart him throughout the time when he's been with the Saints, he usually has two two or three game stretches every year. Even the Super Bowl year, he had the, the bad game against Dallas and the bad game against Tampa. But this two-game stretch here with the seven picks, where does it yeah. rank in the in the the sort of the bad Drew Brees file? Is it at the top of the pile? Is it in the middle? Oh, it is. It has it has been to the top of the mountain. It has seen it has seen the mountaintop. Uh, I mean, it's it, the most I in mean, one game. So why why shouldn't it be at the top of the mountain? But I'm talking the right. two. I mean, if you put the two I, games I, I mean, together, that's, that's his worst. That's not only that's only the most interceptions he threw, but I think that's the lowest quarterback rating of his career. Well, so I'm talking the two games to together though. I mean, if you put them if you put them together, is it his worst like stretch of games he's ever had? Uh, yeah, because it's like, yeah, Drew had a bad game in the Super Bowl year, and you said the Tampa game, right? Yeah. Yeah, but that game was still winnable. If Garrett Hartley makes that field goal at the end, yeah, that's true. The game's still won. If Drew Brees, if if those, if Drew Brees does not throw two pick sixes. The Saints are winning that game. I mean, hell, if he doesn't throw that first pick six at the end of the first half. You know, I think we're all in agreement that the, the the complexity of the game changes, and that the Saints probably win. I mean, if Drew Brees doesn't throw all five of those interceptions against Atlanta, the Saints may have a shot. If he only throws three, <laughs> you know, it would be a question of which three, I suppose. Yeah, the back you know, I mean, you probably, you, I mean, you could. You could probably throw. You could probably say, you know, well, Lance Moore. You know, if Lance Moore catches that ball, or if uh, Jimmy Graham doesn't have that boneheaded uh, uh, offensive pass interference call uh, on on the other touchdown grab or the touchdown run, then then uh, yeah, the interceptions wouldn't be necessary. It, it's. It's it's interesting with the Saints this year as they've as they've dug themselves out of the hole. And you know, it would be really cool. It would be really cool. I'm sorry for interrupting. It would be really cool if if each game each team gets one mulligan. They get like one do over down. You know, it's <laughs> like you know you're playing the game and. You have a bad play, like the Jimmy Graham thing, and you can pick and choose whatever you want to use it, but that's the one that you get to do it over again. It's like the it's play like never a- happened, no penalties, no nothing, no no yardage gain, no yardage swap, nothing. You get one play, you know, and, it's, and it, would, it would kind of become schematical because you kind of 
because then coaches would have to be like, you know, because determining, because if you could, if you think about it, I mean, if there's one play that you can change, it could potentially change the entire outcome of the game. I mean, it would be like the blue I flag. Mean, It'd be like you throw the. Yeah, 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 right, exactly. It would be like a blue flag, and it's like, <laughs> no, nope, didn't happen, didn't happen. <laughs> but, I mean, that's it, though. You don't get to do that ever again throughout the course of the game. Uh, I mean... There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, like, I, I think I think if you did that, Last week, I think if you did that in the first interception, uh, maybe maybe you do that over, or maybe if maybe you throw it on the last play before the half, and maybe you get to do that over again, so you don't throw the pass over the middle to Darren Strolls. But uh, I think that would be kind of interesting. Obviously, that would be a huge game changer. I think that would be an interesting thing that. Well, uh, you know what could that, Dave, you, know what, you know what could make that even more interesting is don't even give it once a game. Give give a team once a season. Once a quarter. Okay. Well, well, no, no, that's too many. No, no, no. I was thinking, what if you had one for just the entire season? What if one play for an entire season oh. you could do over? You know, okay, that could still be, that could still, that could still change the outcome of a game, which in turn could change yeah. the outcome of like the playoff seating or anything like that. Um, I just thought of that, but that would be quite an interesting if they had some sort of extra flag and you get a do over. Yeah, well, what I never. What I meant would never like, once a quarter, I meant once a quarter for the year. So that you'd get like one every four. Oh, oh one every four games. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. There you go. That'd be interesting. Either way, either way. So, so like, you'd, you'd be like, in the middle of the year, be like, oh, should he use the blue flag for that one? It, uh, that would be that would be mind-blowing. But you could, I don't think you could have the blue flag in the playoffs, though. You'd have to just leave it for regular season. <laughs> But I, I think you know yeah, it would yeah, be, right. you know it would be you know it would be great because you, you you'd have like Kevin you'd have like Lovey Smith throwing the red flag and the blue flag in the combo and just the mayhem at that the, you could, oh yeah the at mayhem the same time. And, and it would be in the first quarter of the first game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Lovey Smith wants to do the kickoff of the op- season opener again. Uh, <laughs> Oh, you know, you know, some jackass coach would would oh. attempt a uh, an onside kick to start the second half, and then and then he would uh, flag it, and then and then if they didn't get it, they'd they'd flag it and just redo it. Oh man! But the thing is, though, 
the thing is that that could haunt you as a team because you could make this great play and another team could blue flag you and you'd be like, fuck, they blue flagged us. Lance Moore just went 80 yards on a reverse and fucking Mike Smith blue flagged it. God damn it. Um, Dave, I read on Pro Football Focus that Malcolm Jenkins has missed 20 tackles already, and the record apparently for safety is 24. So typical, of course. Typical. So I'm not surprised. I'm actually, I'm actually more surprised that Roman Harper isn't at the top of that list. I'm surprised Jenkins is higher than Harper. Well, I was actually. actually no, I'm not. I take it back. I'm not surprised. I was actually comforted today that they were like, uh, Roman Harper, he's got hurt ribs. He didn't practice today. Because that, that made me go, oh, yeah, that's kind of maybe why he's been really, really awful at missing tackles the last two or three weeks. But this safety combination, Dave, the thing with the salary cap with the Saints is they can't really make any moves and do an upgrade. They could get rid of them and, and, scour- and, and, and scourge through the, through the bargain bin. But are they so bad that you've just got to be like, fuck it, we got to get somebody else? Or do you keep them for next year? What do you do at safety? Well, I mean, I don't think either of them are bad. I mean, like with Roman Harper particularly, I mean, he's just not hes not a coverage safety kind of guy. He's a blitzing safety. He's a thumper. Um, so if you don't like moving to linebacker, like I know some people have suggested, suggested which isn't the worst idea in the world, I don't think, but um, – I just think you got to know who you have and use them and, and, and optimize their value and, and what they're, you know, have them do more of what they're good at and less of what they're not good at. So, I mean, I, I hate to say just remove Roman Harper altogether when he's good at, at blitzing and that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as all-around safety go, go, neither Jenkins or Harper, you know, they're, they're no down sharper. They're, you know, they're just, they're just not elite. They're not elite safeties. They're not great safeties. I'd say they're good safeties. Um, should you replace them? Yeah, if you have an opportunity to get somebody better, I'd say you at least get somebody in there to compete with them. Kevin? Repeat that last part. Uh, safeties. Uh, keep them, get rid of them, burn them at the stake. Uh, what do you do? Well, I mean, didn't we... I, I, I believe it was a uh, a podcast that I heard earlier in the week. Oh, a couple of couple of by the name of uh, Andrew and Ralph yeah. who were saying that 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 because of uh because of the way that the defense had been playing uh under Spagnolo that they've gotten better and that arguably if they keep playing this way, you know, why would you throw anybody out and bring somebody in? I mean Yeah, but that was Monday, Kevin. This is Wednesday. <laughs> I mean, I'm still in favor. I mean, look, I'm still in favor of using the draft to get a defensive player. So uh, I'm I'm not about. uh... Oh God, maybe you get rid of Vilma. Maybe you get rid of Vilma because I mean, isn't he going to be? Isn't he going to be worth a lot of money? Well, yeah, I think I think. I think on the short list of players to go is Vilma. I think Will Smith, if he doesn't renegotiate. Um, Ironically, with the two bounty gigs suspended players, I think it's funny that they've pretty much played the entire season. It is. And still haven't, and still haven't gotten suspended. And by the time they actually suspend them, the season will be over, and we're going to wind up getting rid of them. So <laughs> win for the Saints there. Well, that 
that brings me to a great segue, Dave. Um, if I would have told you um, in in you know when all these suspensions came down, the over under on games missed by Vilma and Will Smith would have been zero in December. What would your reaction to that have been? Well, you'd have my money. I'll tell you that. You know, <laughs> you'd have every you'd have every dime of it. Uh, I, I wouldn't have believed you, and I'm I'm still you know it's looking like maybe he'll get suspended for like two games or something like that. We still don't even know, but it's definitely possible he never gets suspended this year. <laughs> and, and personally, I think, I think it just makes the NFL look a little dumb. And and in, and in retrospect, it also means that the worst. The only two bad things that come out of that Downey Gate are the, the bad publicity that the organization has suffered and the loss of their coach. Uh, and a, a second-round pick. Or two second-round picks. As yeah, been. okay, you're right. I forgot about that. You're right. That, that, is, that is bad, too. But as far as this season, uh, you know, I think the only thing that's made this that's affected this season negatively as far as Downey Gate is, is the loss of Sean Payton. Well, Kevin, if you, you know, I, you know, Dave was pretty Debbie Downer, and I am too. Look, the Saints aren't making the playoffs. I don't even, I don't even think they're getting the. I don't even think they're getting eight and eight. I think if they win two of the last four, win the home games, that's about as much as we can expect. But when, wait a minute, wait a minute. On Twitter, too, you were you were blasting me two days ago for saying why was I being negative? You were all like, no, the playoffs are still possible. I was the one saying you're humoring us. You're humoring us by putting us on that stupid graphic about playoff possibilities, and you come after me like, how are you being negative? It's still – well, that, I, think, I think that was before um, – I think that was before Washington won Monday, which really kind of made one more team – Washington winning Monday, Kevin, it bumped the Saints off the graphic. Uh, so, yeah, well, I mean, that was during the – well, that's because it's ESPN. That's because it's ESPN, and ESPN has a has its own – Narrative to follow. Man, that's true. Plus one for you there. But when we write the the obituary of the 2012 season, and, and we like it all fucking went wrong, and we divvy up sort of responsibility and blame. How much of it is Sean Payton not being there? How much of it is defensive defense sucking? How much of it is Drew Brees um, being horrible in the two biggest games of the year? How do you divvy if, – if you had to rank them one, two, three, uh, what would the rankings be? Hmm. I think – I think that I would say Peyton not being there is number one. I would probably say that uh, – yeah, Peyton number one, the defense sucking two. And the backup coach is not being uh, not being quality. Uh, number three for sure. Dave, how would you rank it? Um, I would basically just say that um, Sean Payton's absence makes up for seventy-five percent of the Saints sucking, and the defense makes up for the other twenty-five percent of the Saints sucking. I mean, the way I look at it is like, you know. The goal of every every season is obviously to win the Super Bowl, but before that, it's to get to the playoffs. And I think that the reason I give Sean Payton seventy five percent is I think if Sean Payton's there, I think the Saints have a much better record. 
I think they win a, a, quite a few of the games that they wind up losing. You know, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the Atlanta one that we just saw. So I think their record is completely different. I think they make the playoffs. And then, you know, once you're in the playoffs, uh, anything can happen. And, and every season, that's really all I, I'm, I'm, I look forward to is, okay, will this team make the playoffs? I just want to see them in the playoffs, and then we'll just take it from there. Um, you know, it's the second season, sort of. Um, so, really, and I never would have thought I'd be saying this, and I've said this a million times, and I've said it a million times, but I really thought this team would kind of just keep on keeping on without Sean Payton, but I was dead wrong. Uh, Kevin, the Saints, to me, have sort of, they sort of become the Jim Hazlitt Saints in a way where there's just sort of this... Uh. There, this incons- not not to off the field madness, but the sort of you don't know what you're going to get week to week. They're sort of sloppy on their details. You know, I just think they miss Sean Payton, and it's hard to quantify what he brings except for like the clock bugaboo and the special teams penalties, which they've had a ton of. You know, in negotiations with the Saints, is is there is there any way that the Saints have any leverage in this at all? No. No. Absolutely. I mean, if, look, I mean, Peyton has to say, I mean, Peyton can go in and say, look, uh, you need me to be on that sideline. (laughs) And so, obviously, he's got the leverage, but at the same time, he will be talking and dealing with a man who decided that a a good name for a basketball team is Pelicans. (laughs) So, you know. I knew that was coming up. It could be be like talking to Chinese drywall. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So so let's go let's go off topic here. You 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 were very anti Pelican. I'm not very anti Pelican. I like the World's Fair in eighty four. I like the, I have a little I have a little ceramic Pelican from the nineteen eighty four World's Fair. So I I'm kinda pro Pelican. Does that mean we can't be friends anymore? What nickname did you want the Hornets to be? I well I the fucking jazz, man. I mean, we can go get it from fucking Utah. Utah needs to just fucking give it up <laughs> and realize there's no fucking jazz in Utah. As far as I know, there's no music in Utah. I don't even think they have black people in Utah. I don't think they do. They got one guy. They got one guy. Call him alone. No, he doesn't live there anymore. Uh, no, but you you great timing with the Carl Malone joke. <laughs> Timely. Yeah, but I mean the the Jazz. I mean of the options that they had, unless they're gonna like cut the Jazz like a twenty million dollar check. I mean the options were like Voodoo and Crew and the New Orleans Bounce, which I kind of liked, but um, white people over <laughs> white people over thirty five would have been really really confused. Um, <laughs> it would have worked. It would have worked. Sounds in like an a, that sounds like a WNBA. Team. It does. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. I was getting an ABA vibe, but I could see WNBA. And and I liked one that was 
if you really want to go like retro old school New Orleans, you could have gone Buccaneers, which was the old uh, pro team from the 60s that couldn't pay their right. bills and would bounce checks. Uh, so that would have been possible. But, Dave, are you pro-anti-Pelican? Where do you fall in that? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, you know, it's cool because it's very representative of, of our state and, and all that, but uh, and it's on the flag. But uh, it's just not, you know, it's hard to be really afraid of a pelican. They can be really mean. Uh, in, in real life, pelicans can, can really get at you. But uh, I, I probably, if, if we're throwing out like names that we would have rather have, personally, and I know Drew Brees just said this on Facebook today or Twitter or whatever, but, uh, and I, I, I already mentioned this but before Drew Brees did, but I, I would have liked the brass. But I, I know that that was a, the, the minor league hockey team that was here um, yeah. when I first arrived in New Orleans. I know Drew probably does not know that, but he doesn't realize that they would never make the team the brass probably because if that was the hockey team that was here before, but I would have been okay with that. And I, I would have thought that would have been kind of cool. I think that's a cool name, a little double entendre there. But uh, the Pelican, I mean, I think the problem is that it's three syllables. You know, it's long. It's not like a long word when you look at it to fit on a jersey or anything like that, but it is three syllables. And I mean, go around all the teams around the, around the NBA and tell me how many teams have three syllable names. I don't know how many there are, if any. Yeah, and it's kinda of hard to it doesn't chant. Really roll off the tongue. It it's kinda really of hard to chant off. too. You can't really chant Pelicant. It's like a it have to be like a slow chant. Kinda of like Daryl. But I mean technically I really I really can't say anything bad about it because the Pelican is the mascot of two lanes, the current mascot. You have a pelican called Riptide. Uh huh. So I really. I, how did I, really I know that, that was coming up? That was a surefire uh, thing. I hope. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the Tulane's going to dominate all in the Big East. I mean, it's just a matter of time. Honestly, I'm hoping that they make it to the Big Twelve. Honestly, I'm hoping that they make another switch to the Big Twelve before they even play a game in the Big East. That may be a little hopeful, but. <laughs> it's got. You I'm want serious. to see Tulane against Oklahoma. Oh my god. I mean I have I I have been told I've heard it I've seen it a couple of places, people saying that that, that is still a possibility. Oh my lord. Not, not out of the question. Well, you know what though? I, it the, would the Big Twelve won't be won't won't be what the Big Twelve as you know it. Like if Tulane enters the Big Twelve, then the Big Twelve as you know it now would not really big be the Big Twelve. So meaning when you say it now, when you say, oh, Tulane's in the Big 12, like, that just sounds improbable and impossible. And, uh, you know, it sounds like Tulane would be way outmatched. But by the time Tulane got there, I think the landscape of the Big 12 looks completely different. And maybe you're, maybe maybe it's not as impressive. Well, that's true. But you know what? At least it, with the, if they had the Big 12, it's, if it's close to what it is now, at least it's, they could really fill their stadium because teams would love to come to New Orleans and dump truck the wave and, party on the, in the French Quarter. But, you know, but I like Curtis Johnson. So, Dave, you are, uh, you sound like you're catatonic over these last four games. Uh, <laughs> Do I? You kind of, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, a little bit. But, well, but, but they're playing a team from your home birthplace area. So how important is it for you, for all your 
family and far-flung members that the Saints kicked the shit out of the Giants. How how high does that rate in importance to you? Well, I mean, yeah, I know it's, it's definitely it's always nice. I do have a couple of friends that are big-time Giants fans, and it's especially fun because one of my friends who's a big-time Giants fan is also one of those guys who just like completely melts down when his team does bad. You know, like you can't even talk to him. <laughs> uh, so. So it's always especially fun when the Saints beat the Giants, and they've they've been they're four and zero in the Drew Brees era against the Giants. So uh, I'm a I'm a little optimistic um, that maybe they'll make it five and zero, but I, I would say really they probably do. But um, I put this on Canal Street Chronicles Facebook page, but every Friday, and I don't know, I think you guys are fans of that, but you probably saw this. But every Friday, the Giants they have a tradition since Strahan's been playing since since their first Super Bowl year, I think. Um, or maybe like 2008. Uh, every Friday they eat pizza from Umberto's on Long Island. They actually have it delivered all the way to New Jersey. And it's a tradition, and a lot of the players are into it. I think it's sort of like superstition. Well, I happen to go to school and grow up with the family that owns Umberto's. And so I put in a word, and I said, look, do you think you guys could, like, you know, maybe not deliver this pizza this week? <laughs> uh, so so we'll see. I'm, I'm, I've got this. I've got that on our side. I'm, I'm working that angle. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'm hoping maybe they won't get their pizza this Friday, and, uh, and and that'll bring good luck to the thing. Well, Dave, if that happens, it'll be on Twitter, and I think if that yeah. does happen, you would deserve a game ball. Can you agree with me there, Kevin? Oh, uh, oh absolutely. I mean, that's absolutely. that's easily – I mean, this would then – I mean, you would you would essentially be the blogger equivalent – of Lawrence Taylor sending hookers and blow to an opposing uh, player's uh, hotel room. That's uh, always in good company there. That'd be great. Seriously, though, it yeah. is. Uh, and, and I'm not saying this because I am, I'm very good friends with their family, but it really is the, the best pizza you've ever eaten in your life. They are they're always voted best pizza on Long Island, like eight years running. Um, they've got a few pizzerias all over Long Island and uh, – they, they invented this pizza called the Grandma, and it's like a square Sicilian, but it's not as thick as Sicilian. It's a little bit thinner, but um, it's just absolutely amazing. It's like the best pizza you've ever tasted in your life. Uh, every every time I go home, I always make sure I, uh, I get yeah, some. You have it. Yeah. Kevin, I feel like this the, the Giants, I, the, all the talking heads are going to take them. And, you know, they pulled this Houdini shit. And give them credit. Look, they've done it twice. They won two Super Bowls. But I just feel like eventually this whole thing of start off fast, collapse in the middle, and then, ah, we're going to – it'll be fine. We'll we'll pull it together. Like, I feel eventually that that's going to end, and it's going to end in a hideous, hideous way. And it will the, the entire New York media and all their fan base will, will go, like, DEFCON 6. So – Oh yeah, well I mean I agree. I mean every every run's going to end. It's just is is it going is, is it going to start to end on Sunday though? I want to say yes, but I just get the feeling that that this is now not that you know it's officially not the Saints' year. Uh, so. And now that now that the Redskins, you know, when the Redskins beat the Giants on Monday Night Football, they pulled within a game, and shit, the, the Cowboys are within a game. The Cowboys are still technically in the division race, and so now I think now there's enough, you know, doubt and questions looming around the Giants 
that I think now would be the point, would be the part where, you know, the Giants would come out, they'd beat the Saints, they'd exercise, I don't know, some kind of a demon, and sort of just say, yeah, we're still the top dog in the NFC East, and, you know, just take the lead from there and keep keep both the Redskins and Cowboys from getting to the postseason. I mean, I can I can definitely see the Giants going going three and one or four and zero oh the rest of the way. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm con- I'm conflict. Part of me thinks agrees with you, Kevin, and then part of me thinks that that the NFC East is just meant to be a giant clusterfuck. And in order for that to happen, the Saints need to win and everybody be tied at seven and six. Um, oh, I'd love that. Yeah. That would be amazing and ridiculous. <laughs> Dave, as far as the the actual I like, I love I love your idea. I think that is I think that is maybe the best rule change that will never happen ever. It just it, right. it, it is it is it's fantastic. And like Kevin said, just the the opportunities for coaches to screw it up is just it's glorious. Oh, I mean, I mean, just but, but imagine the fans too. Just like all the arguments that would happen, like about people having their own opinion on on, on when they should have thrown the blue flag. Oh my God, it would they'd be pandemonium. Oh, it would. In October, the flag would be pink. Oh, and just think about this: if if like the Saints were like were like if 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 Joe Vitt like didn't use the blue flag against San Francisco in the first pick six, and you're like, my God, man, you can't carry the blue flags over from year to year. If we'd have had Sean Payton, he'd have threw the blue flag, Dave. He'd have threw the blue flag. <laughs> Get me fired up about that. I'm excited. But as for, as for actual games and not hypothetical rule changes that we want to see, what scares you most about the Giants game? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the defense is great. Uh, normally, I would say they, they play really great football late in the year and, and in December. Uh, I haven't really seen much of that this year. They've sort of done the opposite. Um, but just being in New York, outdoors, cold, the stadium's bigger, stadium's louder. Um, but uh, otherwise... You know their, their their defense, the pressure that they can get with their front seven guys. I would I would say that's probably you know the biggest issue, especially with Drew playing the way he's playing. I mean, you know if he's rushing things and he's got things in his Justin Tuck in his face or whoever the hell Umanura, whoever the hell they've got. Uh, you know yeah, I'm worried that that's going to start forcing Drew to continue making these bad throws he's got accustomed to these last few weeks. Yeah, Kevin. Uh... How important is it that the Saints <laughs> get their running game back on? How how important is it that the Saints run the ball really good this week? Uh, very. I mean, so so I kind of think, and it's funny you asked about the running the running game. I think I figured out the Pierre Thomas quandary, and it's one of those things that was staring that. You know, it occurred to me, like, well after the fact, it was one of those so obvious, I'm an idiot, didn't see it kind of things. And it's like, they didn't play him against the 49ers because they were saving him for the Falcons. 
I mean, they had the short turnaround. They wanted to make sure that their running backs, that they had a strong running back to go against the Falcons and hit them. And they wanted to make sure that he was going to have a full tank of gas because they knew everybody else was going to be, you know, not at a not not with a full tank. So that's why they kept Pierre out of the game essentially. Uh, now regarding the and you know I'm sorry to be going this you know different direction here, but that's one of the things that I I feel like this has to be said because. I know I didn't hear it anywhere else, and I just... No, that's a... God damn it, Hell, that's a really, really smart opinion and take. And I wish I had thought of it, because it would have made it would have made for an interesting part of a column. God damn it. Okay, but, now, did, they, but did they actually go ahead and and, and, and yeah. use Pia to his fullest in the next game? I mean, what, 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 you know, yes. And I'm not saying that Kevin's wrong. He sounds perfectly legitimate, perfectly reasonable. My question is, is okay, you've gone and saved Pierre and not played him during the Niners game and maybe cut off your nose to spite your face. So do they then go out in the Atlanta game and just run rough, you know, let him go nuts? No, they still limit him. Like, if you're going to save him, then let him go nuts the next game. You well, well, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. Well, you can then still I'm say, but, but what, I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that this still plays into the whole narrative for the entire year that, that Pierre Thomas was underutilized. I mean, either way, Pierre Thomas is underutilized. It's just that, you know, you, you can you can take the you, you can take the belief that that the uh, Saints coaching staff was completely brainless and just apparently forgot he existed on the sideline and didn't put him in against the 49ers, or or that they had a sort of a good idea and figured, well, we'll save him for Atlanta. And then when Atlanta comes around, he plays very well. They just didn't give him the ball enough, which, you know, has been the problem. I mean, that's really been the problem all year long is that they've never given him the, they never gave him the ball enough when he's playing. I, I, you know, if, if you're asking me what I think is going to happen, I think it's probably going to end up being more of the same. Pierre will probably get 12, 12 touches, you know, eight or nine carries, three or four catches, the catches will probably be, you know, 35 yards, you know, 35 yards or so. And the rushes, it'll be like between 75 and 85. And everybody will say, why aren't we giving this guy more touches? Yeah, I mean, the thing that was so perplexing in the Atlanta game is they went back to that infuriating bullshit of it's third and two and we're running the ball like crazy, but let's go, let's go empty on third and two. That is the most. That was the most to me. It wasn't so much the amount of touches, or what, it was. That's the most infuriating thing. With they didn't give Pierre the ball. I, I, I would have liked them to see. Say, hey, Atlanta. Guess what? It's third and two, and we're not going to fucking run Ingram. We're going to give it to Pierre on third and two. How do you like that? And I just that was infuriating to me. Uh, Dave, let's. Let's get to this game and get predictions. All right, yeah, I gotta get going. So. Okay, so give, give me a give me a give me a prediction, uh, and um, give me a prediction and give me uh how you how strongly you feel about the prediction because I'm gonna be in Vegas on Sunday and I will uh, you tell me your prediction and if I should wager put money What's on your prediction. The spread, the spread is the spread? the spread is Giants by five. 
Uh, I would put money on it, put money on the Saints, but I still think the Saints lose. They lose by three. Um, and I would say Drew's okay, but I would say it's, it's another miss, mismanaged game. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, your thoughts? Yeah, I would definitely, I tell you what, I'm going to go in the other direction. I'll say take the Giants. Uh, and, and I, I think it's a case where Eli actually ends up winning the game for him late. I think the uh, I think the Saints are up by a point, or or maybe it's even tied, and Eli leads them down and scores a touchdown late, and that ends up sealing it. So I will say I'll go uh, 27-20. I went 42-38 in my column, Giants. I think the way the 2012 season for the Saints is going, Drew Brees plays his best game of the year, and the defense goes back to sucking. It's just like you said, it's just not the Saints' year. Um, but on that note, gentlemen, it's been a fantastic show. Uh, for Dave, for Kevin, I'm Ralph Falbro. Uh Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you Monday. Hopefully the Saints, Saints playoff will be fairly alive, and they'll be 6-7. 